Hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of Everything Horror. I'm your host, Tessa Baker, and I am joined by my co-host and co-assistant hosts. Say hi guys. Hello. Hey. That's Mr. Paul Dolsky and uh, Crystal. Um, our episode that we are going to talk about tonight is XX. Anthology of Horror, and this is uh, this is a movie that is on Netflix. So make sure to go check it out because it really is interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting, all right, especially the first tale. First tale, which is entitled "The Box," and the box is essentially about a stranger on a train with a red present box and this little boy named Danny is very curious and uh, nosy and insists on knowing what's in the box well this stranger shows Danny what's in the box which we don't get to see and um what happens guys what happens to Danny well, he goes on a diet that I wish I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> not eating for five days? Not eating for five days. Just not being hungry. Yeah, no matter what was put in front of him food-wise. And he had everything from spaghetti to pizza to ribs and potatoes to Chinese. Which, which to... we have to make a mental note that pizza was his favorite. Yep. Which, pizza was his favorite meal ever. And he had mac and cheese and KFC one night. And he had all of these things put in front of him. All of these delicious, like, yummy comfort foods put in front of him. And he would not touch a single bite. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something clearly wrong with this child if he is turning down pizza, of all things. I... And Paul are avid pizza lovers. I'm sure Crystal probably is, but that's like one of mine and Paul's like favorite foods ever. Especially like on a Friday night when you get out at like 8 o'clock at night. Which hey, we, what do you want to make? Let's make pizza. Okay. Which tomorrow that will be our dinner. Pizza. And I got stuffed crust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, nom, 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 nom. Hey, you put Chinese in front of me. Oh, we had That's that. We oh, we had that last Friday. <laughs> That's what I eat tonight. Was Chinese. I eat Chinese all day, every day. That's my food to go to. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what we were uh, craving What's last week. What's your favorite week? Chinese crystal? Um, it's really a hard decision to even say. I probably by far my favorite is a uh, Singapore noodle. Yeah, that's pretty good. Paul, mine and Paul's favorite, we actually have a mutual favorite, is sesame chicken. Sesame chicken's good. Which is, which is another interesting fun fact about Paul and I. We have a lot of the same tastes and the same kinds of food, and we often eat similar, if not almost the same exact thing, almost down to the only difference being the dressing. I did have to punish Tessa, though, the first time she got me Chinese, though. You told me to get you white rice, so why would I be punished for something you told me to do? Because like, apparently I was confused of what you were talking about. Apparently, <laughs> but I got it right the second time, didn't I, damn, damn right. it? 
Yeah. So Paul and I, for our Chinese, we like sesame seed chicken and pork fried rice. Yep. And I have to make sure that I bring home soy sauce and duck sauce, especially for the um, spring egg rolls. Well, I don't mind. I love I don't duck really... sauce. Duck sauce is beautiful. Yes. I was going to say, I don't really use the soy sauce in the package that much. But you use but the duck sauce for the spring roll. I do use the duck roll. sauce because it's so yummy. Nom, nom, nom. So... And they sold duck sauce in bottles and have like three of them. Oh my God, right? <laughs> so, so Susan's the mother. And she um, is one crazy bitch. She is a crazy bitch. But and then you've got Jenny, who's the daughter, and and Danny's sister. And then you've got Robert, who is the kid's father and Susan's husband. So Danny Danny's um not eating. He goes five days by himself without eating. He loses five pounds by the time that his parents bring him to the doctors and the doctor's like well why didn't you bring him to me sooner and they were just like we don't know and even though robert encouraged susan to take for them to take danny to the doctors sooner susan just kind of waved it off like it's 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 okay it's probably nothing he's probably you know sneaking junk food or something you know, everything's probably fine. So they take him to the doctors. He loses five pounds, and, and, and the doctor himself is even concerned and asks, you know, is there something going on at home? Are you guys fighting? Because this is like a sign of, like, serious emotional trauma. And um, they're like, no, why would there be? Everything's fine at home, blah, blah, blah. And... So they go home, and the doctor, before they go home, the doctor's like, well, keep me posted, and especially if he's still not eating, let me know. So they go home, and, um, and that night, um, what was it that they had? I think it was, I think it was Chinese or something. Yeah, it was, like, Chinese after the doctor, and then it went, like... And then, and then, um... Danny and Jenny are talking, and, the, and that's the brother and sister. And so Jenny's in talking with Danny one night, and Susan overhears them talking about something or whispering or whatever, and she goes in to, like, investigate. And, um... She's nosy. Because she's nosy. And, um, she's, like, trying to, like, get Danny to, like, tell... Danny or Jenny to tell them, tell her what they're talking about, like, is it something to do with why you're not eating kind of stuff, you know, that kind of stuff, and, um, they just, they won't tell her, but the look on Jenny's face, like, when, um, Susan's like, well, what's wrong, and she goes, nothing, mom, good night, and then the next morning, so you get to the next morning, which is, like, what was it, it was, by this point, KFC, I think, it was, it was a Thursday when Jenny was infected. So yeah, Friday, night. so Friday morning, she goes, she she's getting ready to go off to school, and Susan calls her in, you know, reminds her to take her lunch, and, and then tries to offer her breakfast, which Jenny then says, "I'm not hungry." I'm not hungry. Oh boy, here we go again. 
So now, so now it's KFC, it's KFC night, and mac and cheese and everything, and Jenny and Danny are both not eating. And at this point, the father is pretty upset. Pretty upset. Pretty worked up. How can you? How can you be eating when our children are starving? And she's like, "Well, I have to eat, don't I?" And at at this point, you could just see like the utter look of disgust on Robert's face with Susan, and he just gets up from the table and leaves. And Susan's still sitting there. Eating away. Eating away and practically throwing the fucking chicken leg across the room with how she throws it down so violently on the plate. And so you go upstairs to Danny's room and Robert goes in and he goes to talk to his son and he's like, he's like, like practically pleading with Danny to know what he, you know, what's going on with him, in which case Danny whispers into Robert's ear and tells him. And this is a Friday, so Robert is now infected with whatever is going on with Danny and Jenny. So... During that night, too, um, when Robert goes back to bed, um... Uh, the mother is like having a nightmare or a dream or something. Bef did it before that? Oh yeah, it, 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 you're talking about she kind of pokes and prods. Yeah, like what? What did uh, Danny say to you? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, the response is either nothing, just stuff, or some other response to completely avoid. Hungry. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So which crystal? What happens after this? After uh, this weird like conversation in the bed, and then what did it like show? <clears throat> so this is where it gets a little weird. The mom goes to sleep, and and she's she's like fluttering her eyes, like she's waking up, whatever. But you just see her kind of shaking, and as the camera pans out, you see Danny. Robert and Jenny all sitting at the table cutting chunks of her leg off and putting them on a plate to be mm, served with each other. Yummy. Mm. And the only thing the mother does, Susan does, is she just smile. So, like, I'm guessing she was happy her family was eating. Yeah. I don't know, but they were just eating her leg. Yeah, that's what that's In what arm. yeah that's what Paul and I were kind of gathering too. Like the reason why she was smiling was that she was finally glad that her family was eating something, even if it was her. You know. I'm not gonna lie. If someone's cutting into my leg, no matter how happy I was that you were eating again, I'm still gonna be hooping and hollering because you're cutting into my leg. Yeah, right. I'm, not just, I'm just not going to lay there and take it like a champ like she did. <laughs> yeah, well, at this point in time, she probably couldn't really move anyway because of how much blood she's lost. Blood she lost, yeah. She's probably almost the on the cusp of dying and all that anyway. Yeah, well, she should have already been dead, I thought, too. So why is she still alive? I don't know. I guess that's just a different story. But all we know is that she was glad that they were eating, all of them, the kids and Robert. 
So, then it goes into... Around what time, around what holiday is this happening, Crystal? It's Christmas time. Yeah. So, after after the weird, um, I guess, nightmare dream sequence or whatever, what happens then? They start celebrating Christmas. Like, the mom's like, even though... Everyone was happy, even though their clothes didn't fit, and this and that, and all you see is three anorexic-looking people. Poor yeah. Danny is a skeleton. Ginny, they show Ginny's, like, midriff, and all you can see is her ribs, and, like, her, her hips are just, like, all that was sticking out, like, protruding. They're all sickly-looking. But they're all having a good time opening their gifts, and Robert gets chocolate, and he kind of looks at it like, what am I going to do with this? I might eat. But he's still happy he got his chocolate, I guess. And then you see the box. Danny had the red box. And the mom asked Danny, where'd you get this from? Didn't the guy on the train have a red box like this? And she starts kind of freaking out, and she asks Danny, "What's in the box? What's in the box?" Do you remember? Do you what remember? Was in the box? Do you remember that day when we were on the train, and you remember the man with the red box? What was? What was? Do you remember what was in that box? And he would shake his head yes, and then she'd ask him, and what was his response, Crystal? I want to say he told her nothing. Yeah. Yep. yep. He said nothing, and she goes, "That's it, nothing." Is this some kind of joke or something? She's like, then she gets kind of like mad. Like, is this kind of some kind of joke? Yeah, um, like I said, she's just one crazy person. <laughs> and then, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I wanted to know was nice. I thought at that point in time, the movie they were gonna tell me was in the damn box. Yeah, we. I think we all wanted to know what was inside that fucking red box. We were all like, what the hell is that? I know Paul and I were definitely like, what is in the fucking box? That's what I was like. It's like, Ugh. Tell me what's in this goddamn box already. I need to know what's in this box. And never tell so, so after, so after they celebrate Christmas, what happens, babe? Where did the, where did the family end up? The hospital. Yep. And then they were on, uh, what was it, the life report in the ER? Yep, all three of them, Robert, Jenny, and Danny, are all on life support. Yep, and then, uh, what was it? This was like what, sometime after Christmas, so then it was January 17th when Danny died. From starvation. From starvation. And then Jenny... Went when? When did she go? She died on February 3rd, which was like 20, 24 days, so like three weeks later, and then Robert died. Yep, and then Robert, and then Robert dies on February 27th. So at this point, everybody but Susan is gone. They've died. Um, and um, Susan then rides the train every single day hoping to find the, the mysterious stranger with the red box. 
Because she, because she wants to know so desperately what's inside the box. Because she feels if she knows, it's gonna bring her one step closer to the edge. And it's gonna bring her closer to her family. She feels that's the only way that she can be close to her family again, is if she knows what's inside the box. And uh, she never ends up finding them, at least not in the tale. So. So let's see here. So what? What do you? So what do you guys think was in the box? <laughs> you have any idea what it could There's have been? There's so many theories of what could have been in that box that could have made poor Danny lose his appetite. I mean, maybe, maybe it was like, like you were, you and I were saying the other night. Maybe it was like something like, like him in the box like dismembered or something or something that grossed him out to the point where he didn't want to eat i don't know what do you think crystal what do you think was in the box <clears throat> in all honesty mm -hmm. i think what the box what the box really represented well there's two things something like the red death Ooh. the plague oh yeah it could have been that, mm -hmm. or it could have been Susan's worst fear, which was watching her family die, and there was nothing she could absolutely do about it. No matter how hard she tried at the end to figure out what was happening to her family, there was nothing she could do to stop losing her family. Those are my two ideas of what was actually in the box. Hmm. I like it. Now, Crystal, do you want to talk about the next tale, the birthday party? Mary. Mary's the mother. Okay, what's the little girl's name? Lucy. Lucy. Okay. And then David is her father, and then Carla is like the assistant. Okay. The other crazy so, person. Carol, you might have to remind me on the names. I mean, I don't know the movie, but it's not name. So Mary is very like paranoid or something. Like they're celebrating Lucy's birthday. So uh, Carla comes up to Mary and tells Mary that her husband's home, that she saw his car outside the driveway. And Mary's like, well, no, no, he's not. No, he can't be. He's still on his trip, you know? So she thinks that he's not there. So uh, she tells Carla to go get ready for Lucy's birthday. So as Mary goes into David's office, she finds her husband sitting there and she's so happy. She's like, oh, Lucy's gonna be excited to see you and you know, it's on our birthdays. Well, he's kind of slumped over in his office chair at his desk and he's not moving. And then he, she goes up to him and gives him a hug and realizes that he has died. He is dead. Uh, she finds like prescription pills, alcohol. So apparently he has overdosed and died on medicine and alcohol, which is a bad combination anyway. So from what Carla had said about Lucy and her mother, Lucy has like such high anxiety because of how her mother acts. Her mother's like really high anxiety, really OCD kind of like nervous train wreck kind of woman. Well, when she finds David, like she's flipping out and she tries to tries to get rid of the body which i don't understand like she sees carla 
I believe, outside or across through the window in the other part of the house. Yeah. So she actually grabs David and Couldn't puts him into the that. closet. Yeah, I and, could not believe that she did that. I was just sitting there like, what the fuck are you doing, lady? Why would you just call the, 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 the cops fucking or paramedics? The yeah. yeah. It's like, why I, are you trying to hide him? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I didn't understand that part about it. And uh, I, as I think Carla comes in to look for something, she walks back out. Uh, Lucy's uh, markers. Lucy uh, comes in and she tells her mother that she's had an accident in, in her panda outfit, which she's peed on herself. So it makes her into her spooky ghost. And she's happy and she goes running off again. And as she goes off, Mary drags David's body all the way from the closet to the living room while she's trying to you know, go undetected from Carla and Lucy, and she's still freaking out on what's going on, and then a neighbor shows up. Madeline. Madeline. She comes knocking on the door, and Mary's hiding on, behind the couch with the body of David, and she finally gets up, and Madeline's like, oh, what are you doing? She was like, oh. Looking I'm, for something. I said she was fixing the rug or something, she tells her. And so Madeline's talking to her, you know, being really, she's super really fucking annoying. I couldn't stand that character. <laughs> and she's somehow getting cupcakes from this hip little cupcake shop down the street and how uh, people are talking about this party and how she wasn't invited. So Mary ends up inviting her. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to come. And so poor Mary's trying to, like, usher her out, like, you know, just get out. You know, what, do you, what did you want? Why did you come here? And so that's pretty much what it was. She wanted to... Be a part of the birthday party. So she gets invited and she tells Mary, if you need anything, I'll get shuts the door in her face and leaves her. So she goes back to David and I think she is still trying to get him out of the living room when the door the doorbell rings or the door gets knocked on. So she's like, Oh she goes and opens the door and is a fucking Seeing Panda Telegraph person <laughs> busted running, and she's like, "I'm not," you know. He's trying to sing to Lucy. She's like, "I'm not Lucy." How much is that Panda outfit, by the way? And the guy's like, "Well, it's a rental." And Mary pretty much tells him, "I'll give you a thousand bucks for the and panda medical wanna and miracle and medical marijuana from the knee surgery she had last year." So who who can pass up on a year old? bag of miracle marijuana so he takes the deal and the next thing you see is mary dragging a dead david halfway dressed in the panda outfit and at that point in time lucy yells they're here they're here and the party is about to start and by this time mary is just she what it was an emotional train wreck like she was just out of it this made it even worse. So she finally gets David completely dressed into the panda suit and sits him at one edge of the table. And let's stop right here. And can we talk about the fucking kids' costumes they showed up in? I swear to God, one of them was a sperm. I think <laughs> one, was, one was a toilet, too. One was a toilet. One looked like a sperm. 
Like, yeah. who dresses their kids like this? I think one was, like, meant to be dressed like a fucking umbrella or something. I don't know. It was fucking, just, it was just fucking really weird costume party. And why, why would you dress your dead husband in a panda suit and sit him at the fucking birthday party table? Although the kids dance around him, is having a good old fucking time, and no one even questions why there's a panda sitting at the table. No one, no one seems to care. Yeah, all not the parents moving. are sitting there. Yeah, he's just sitting there. I mean, you think he's a stuffed animal? I mean, all the parents are sitting around Mary, and they're all just talking and all, and the kids are dancing and, and cheering around. The, yeah, the, the and you see panda. Mary pouring the flask of alcohol into the cup and sipping Which out of it. Which she found in David. Yeah, I was like, you know what? This this is me right here. This is me every day surrounded by people. I just want to pull out a flask and take a drink. Right. But it, it, you could tell it really started to mess with Mary, though, because all she could do was stare at the panda. That's all she focused on was David across the table. And they bring in a birthday cake, and they're all cheering. And yeah, I want to see yeah, yeah. Clara... Or Carol, the assistant. Carla, bumps, yeah. Carla bumps, bumps David. And as she bumps him, he kind of lurches back. And then Mary's eyes get big. And as he leans forward, she's just like, oh, no. And he falls face first into the cake. And everyone just, like, stops. They're shocked. And as uh, Carla lifts up the panda head... To try to pull him back. Pop off goes the head, and there is David. And the kids start screaming and freaking out. The parents are all like, Oh my God! Oh my God! And, and Mary's just sitting there, going, Fuck me. Like, that's all she had really, like, no emotion on her face of this. All this was going on. Like, you could tell, like, she had left the building. Her body was there, but there was nothing left for that poor frowsy woman. She had done all that work. Just to have it undone in the end, yeah. To have it look like she killed her husband when all you had to do was, was call the, the, the paramedics. Our paramedics and told them, hey, my husband's dead, he's not breathing, can you please come here? And poor all the hard work for nothing. Yeah, and poor Lucy ends up traumatized from it all. Whoa. And that's why she has trouble with relationships yep and that is why she's also asked to uh go to a therapist because of the mothers as well yeah well the high anxiety and all that that poor that poor little girl awesome so i think lucy may have been adopted yeah i'm gonna say yeah that. we're thinking so because she neither one of her parents are African-American. Yeah, but yeah. like her. When I, when I saw Lisa, I was like, okay, she has to be adopted, or maybe she was a daughter from a previous marriage, or husband, or something. Maybe, yeah. Or she was I adopted. Mean, I mean, I don't know. You know. Something. She had to be something, because both of them were clearly of white descent, and Lucy was was not of white descent. She was she was mixed or she was adopted, so it could have been one of the one of the uh, parents' child from a previous marriage. 
I'm not sure though. They really didn't go into details about poor Luce. They didn't really give too much information on her. Yeah, that's the one thing that that story kind of failed to do. Do I give a little bit more about the characters? But that's okay. It was still fucked up. I still laughed at it. I thought that was probably the funniest one out of all of them. I was just like, you gotta be shitting me. Call, call the ambulance. In this, right now. Right. Um, so yeah, what's the next tale? So, babe, you wanna talk about Don't Fall? Sure, I'll talk about Don't Fall. But we got four people that were taking this hiking trip will say that um shouldn't even be there because uh apparently it's prohibited but uh mr paul aka who i am um got this like awesome tip about this place i guess from what i understand mm -hmm. and um so anyway I'm trying to remember, uh, the... They go on a hiking trip to, like, this place that they're not supposed to be at, like you said. It's, right. like, exclusive. Nobody knows about it. Shh, hush, hush. Yeah, so, um, just as the one that would, like, got freaked out from Jay, no, right? Or no, Gretchen. 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 Gretchen was the one that got freaked out. Okay. Yeah, she's like, I'm, af I, I'm, I've always been afraid of heights and blah 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 because they were trying to joke around, and say, don't fall. Yeah, which well, I'll bring something up to near the end of this too as well. But um, yeah, so they don't fall, and she kind of like just like screw you guys, and then um, go to like calm herself by leaning against this like ancient rock while. Paul, the brother, would like, make sure you're watching out for Scorpion because the lighter the color, the dangerous they are, and just stupid stuff. But, um, then they come across, well, first, uh, Gretchen is, um, she, like, freaks out because something may have, like, tucked her hand or something. So that's when they notice these weird markings on the rock it's like that, a weird painted mural on the wall yeah of like this demonic figure and some other shadows that they couldn't really quite understand and um so they just kind of brushed it off whatever and then later on that night is when you find out like paul got the uh tip from this person and all this other jazz and how like he should be the plan in one for all the trips for every year and then um what was it uh jay i believe was mentioning about the um strip clubs and stuff like that but anyway uh it kind of gets boring and stupid for a few minutes and then uh the interesting parts happen which is Gretchen is like awake like come to be awake and she's in this um I guess cave I want to say or something and it's pretty much almost like right by that rock from earlier 
But the difference is now is that now her hand is just like infected by whatever I'm assuming that like got tucked her. And then um that's when you see the shadow creature and the myth thing come at her. So then later on you see uh Jay. Jay he like can't sleep or something and he notices Gretchen or hears or hears her or something. He sees her. Notices her. Notices her. And then what happened next, Crystal? So as he sees her, she has her back to him and you hear her like make these like demonic growling noises and as her body starts like Changing. Shifting, changing, there are bones popping, because she tells him, you shouldn't be here, go, like, she warns him to leave, she tries to get her brother to leave, and, um, I, was it her brother, or was it the other guy? It was the other guy. It was the other guy. Jay. Yeah, yeah. Jay. Paul's her brother. So, okay, so she tells Jay, you shouldn't be here, get out of here, you know, she warns him, and so... He finally takes off as he's watching her transform into whatever she's about to become. So he gets back into the van and he grabs the keys and he starts it up. Well, Paul then's like, you know, where's Gretchen and all that? He's like, yeah, bro, we gotta go, you know. And I'm not gonna leave my sister, my sister's still out there. So he goes to find her. Big and, mistake. Uh, yeah, big mistake. You guys wanna take it back from here? I'll let Tessa take it. What happened next? Okay, so... So Paul goes out to try to, you know, see how his sister is and see if she's alright. He's all concerned, thinking that, you know, she's hurt. And in which case, uh, she starts going... She starts going after Paul. And, um... You don't really see what she does, but you can hear a lot of commotion and... You know, Paul screaming, and then all of a sudden, um, Paul gets thrown through the back window of the RV. And, um, he's dead, obviously. And, um, Jess and Jay are freaking out, and they're trying to get out of the RV, and Jess runs out first, and the door slams behind Jess. I mean, yeah, behind Jess, and Jay's trapped inside the RV, in which case you, um... Well, I, I think Jay shut the door, or, Je, or Jess did. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. It wasn't really the door, clear. The door closes either, either way. Either way, yeah. It gets jammed or something, he can't get out. Yeah. Yeah, Jess tries to get Jay out, and the door won't open, and then Gretchen's inside the RV at this point, in her, let's just say, her for lack of a better word, Wendigo form, because that's exactly what she reminds me of when when you see her changed. All I could think of was like, oh, oh damn, this chick is like a Wendigo from like Until Dawn. And she starts ripping into, into Jay, and you see blood spraying everywhere. And nom 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 nom, 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 nom. and Jay's obviously dead. Of course. And then... You, it flashes to Jess running, and she's trying to get away, and, and she... And trips and falls and breaks her leg. Yep, trips and falls and breaks her leg, and she, you know, tries to, like, uh, bind her wound with her, her shirt, 
and she's all panicked and um, scared and she, she looks up and just as she looks up she sees the Wendigo Gretchen looking down at her and starts crawling down the wall towards her and death from above as I call it kills Jess. The end. The end. Now, I know I didn't mention it, so we'll talk about the uh, Gretchen changing, shall we? How interesting were the effects? Pretty interesting. I enjoyed them. They it, it brought that like old school war eighties movie kind of effects, which yeah. I appreciated that. Like, kind of uh, the howling in a way when they start changing. Like, just very old schoolish. Not like super, super over the top, like CGI and all that, but that was enough to know what the fuck was going on. Yeah, I mean, the spine and stuff like that, like, that alone was even, like, ridiculously done cool. I'm still trying to figure out if that was makeup or if it was CGI, but. Um, either way, I thought it was, it was still pretty, pretty freaking dumb, cool. Dumb. Yeah, it was still pretty neat. Yeah, like the way they did her, her, her spine and her hands and stuff like that is freaking awesome. She was just creepy altogether, especially when Jess looked up and Gretchen was like hovering over her. Even when Gretchen like stuck her head the back window and you saw her where for what she actually was like oh shit hmm. you know and I, I know it's time to go you, you go get your sister i'm going home hmm. screw you guys i'm out <laughs> i'm like, going home screw you guys i'm going home exactly in the famous word of carmen carmen i'm gonna get my chin excuse me i'm going exactly <laughs> All right, yeah, I mean, so far, they've been interesting, I guess. And then this uh, last tale, right? Mm-hmm. It makes it even more interesting. <laughs> okay, so the last tale for this, this film is called Her Only Living Son. It's, um... Basically, from what we've gathered from the story, it's about a woman who hides her son from his biological father. She takes him and she runs away and um, does everything in her power to keep her son from his father. Um, we aren't quite sure at the point, at, at this point, why she's so, like, set on keeping him from him. But we learn later, which we'll get to. So, Andy is the son. And then Cora is, is the mother. And then Chet is the mailman. The, what I thought in the beginning, the overly friendly mailman. Um, but anyways, so. Alright. So, um, Andy's 18th birthday is approaching. It's, um, thank you. Um, 
And all Andy wants for his 18th birthday is to see his father. Which Cora goes, you know, you could have anything else in the world. Why? Why that? He hasn't been there for you ever. He's, you know, he. where has he been your whole life? You know, he hasn't made an appearance once. Blah, blah, blah. He's too busy want to be in movies in Hollywood. Yep, with his, with his girlfriends in his beach house or whatever. Yeah, too busy for Andy. Why would he even want to, you know, have contact with his father after all that? Blah, blah, blah. And, um, you see, um, you see examples throughout this tale of Andy's odd yet destructive and disturbing behavior. What were some of the things that were kind of destructive? Destructive and disturbing about his behavior, Crystal. Um. Well, there were several, uh, but you can see throughout the film. Uh, the first one was when he's actually outside with their dog. Like I don't know if he was playing fetch the dog or whooping the dog with a stick at some points because the dog would be whining when he was out there with the dog. Mm-hmm. But uh, at one point, Cora does go out there because the dog is still barking. She goes up to see what's going on with the dog so upset about it, and as she turns around the tree that the dog is sitting by, there's a squirrel nailed to the tree, and I want to say it had been gutted, if I'm not mistaken, or at least cut open, but he had nailed a squirrel to the tree, and it was hanging there dead. Um, there's, right after that, there's a part where they're cooking breakfast or eggs, you know, and they're farm eggs so if you don't know what farm eggs are they're like fresh eggs and sometimes when you get fresh eggs you will get an embryo which is a little bitty red bloody dot and an egg you're not supposed to eat that well andy actually scoops it out of the bowl and eats the developing embryo out of the out of the chicken egg which mm. made me gag and i'm like oop Salmonella. <laughs> so, um, the other one that really, really makes you short seeing is he actually, she tells Andy that she's got to go to school about what he had done. What did, what did you do? And he tells her, well, go to school and you'll find out or whatever. You know, Andy won't go with her. So, uh, Cora goes to school for the, the meeting with the principal and you find out that, I can't remember the young lady's name, um, but he actually had ripped out another student's fingernails. Ripped them all off. Clean all off. Out with pliers. And his reasoning was because he, he felt like he wanted to. There was no other reasoning why he did that. And the mother of the daughter that he ripped the nails off of, you know, was like, you've got to do something. You've got to discipline them, you know. My, my daughter is, you know, a straight student. She's, you know, oh, what's it called? The, uh, the valedictorian of, you know, her class. And, you know, you're, you're going to let him do this to her. And pretty much the principal kind of shoes the mother away and is like, we're not going to do nothing to him. Maybe your daughter should take some time off from school until the after the dust settles. And so the mother looks at Cora and she's like, you've been right by my family. You know, we have no problems with you, but you've got to do something about your son. And otherwise, you need help too. Yeah. Huh, yeah. 
Um, and then the principal kind of kind of starts giving you the clues of what's going on. You know, they've been waiting for Andy, and Andy's an exceptional student, and you know, he's going to change the world. He's going to lead the world to where it needs to go. And they support Andy. And Cora is just like, oh, because she knows. She knows what's happening, I think, in a way. I think it's starting to sink in. We don't really know what's happening yet, but she's starting to realize yeah. what's happening. Yeah, because they see Andy as, like, something special, like a prodigy or... Yeah, because the the principal used the word prodigy. Yeah, sees him as a prodigy. So, so then it it's it's um the night before Andy's birthday, and Cora makes Andy a cake for his eighteenth birthday, which Andy ends up refusing. Um, yeah, because he, um, well, first he went to stay the night at a, at a uh, friend's house, which... He left a note for his mother saying that he was going to be gone for the night and he'd be back. Which ne- I don't think that really went well. The next day, no, it did not. So, Andy left a note for his mother stating that he was going to be gone for the night and that he wasn't going to be back home. He was going to his friend Rudy's house or whatever. And so... Um, it's, it's bedtime, and Cora's in bed, and she's sleeping, and she's dreaming. She's dreaming about Andy, and, you know, their past and everything, and then she wakes up. And, um, she hears something in the house. And she goes to investigate, and she opens the bathroom door to find Andy in there, and the bathroom is a bloody mess. And Andy... Is slams the door and slams the door in her goes to slam the door in her face and he's like you know he's like you know what I want for my 18th birthday mom some privacy I would like some fucking privacy and then slams the door in her face and she's just all like all apologetic like Andy I'm so sorry I didn't know you were home you know you I I wasn't expecting you to be here you said you were gonna be you know at your friend's house or whatever. I didn't. I was startled because I didn't expect anybody else to be here, which is a normal fucking reaction, if you ask me. Yeah, I'd have probably done more than her. I'd have had a puddle whip and I'd been ready to shoot that. Yeah, I would have had a fucking baseball bat, being like, "Who the fuck is in my house?" Agreed. <laughs> or in this case, I would have had my medieval double-bladed axe in my. <laughs> so, um. So after, so the, it goes to the next morning, and Cora goes to Aunt, goes to say to Andy, happy birthday, sweetie, and Andy's like, well, don't wait up for me, mom. And she's outside, and she's all upset, and she's hanging up laundry, and Chet shows up, the mailman. And which, Chet is talking, talking to Cora about Andy, and... She she's like I don't feel like he's my Andy anymore. You know he's changed. He's changing. He's becoming something else. Which Chet replies, "Well, he wasn't really yours to begin with, was he, Cora?" And which she she kind of tilts her head like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And she said that uh, you need to stop fighting him and stuff like that. 
and then like don't you remember and all this other jazz and then that's when I think she started to um fully understand what was happening yep she started to fully understand what was happening and that Chet was like a disciple of like Andy's father and saw Andy as like this like big prodigy and he's all and she's going to like going inside to like retreat inside the house and he's like this this is this is the glorious day you should be happy for this day and which he he said he talks to her about the agreement that he that Cora and her um Andy's father had and saying that that he didn't understand like the full agreement and that it was like um misunderstood and of who she was being given to I think it was around that and so Cora goes to go inside and you can hear Chet saying you know praises darkness repeating himself, praises darkness, and all, like, happy in the feels about this dark shit approaching. And Cora goes inside and starts snooping through Andy's bedroom, trying to find clues or whatever, in which case, she looks underneath Andy's bed and finds what, baby? The box of nailed from uh what's her face <laughs> that got her nailed ripped off i believe it um and his toenails yep his weird black really long and sharp looking fucking toenail clippings yeah Which, not human not human whatsoever so Cora hears a slam, like Andy's come in, and she immediately covers up the box and hides it, puts it back underneath the bed, and goes and hides in the closet. Andy comes storming in, flops down on his bed. Takes off his shoes. Very carefully. Yeah. To reveal these... Awesome, long-ass toenails. Which are clearly not human. No. Um, and he's sitting there with what Paul and I can only describe as, like, a pair of, like, clippers you would use to, like, trim or, like, prune roses or whatever with. And starts clipping away at his nails, in which Cora makes a noise when Andy goes to clip one off. And... He, at this point, Andy knows that his mother's hiding in the closet. Goes storming over to the closet, starts banging on it, and then storms out of the room. Not to mention, he's making, like, growling noises as he's doing it. Yeah. So he's, like, making these demented grunts. Yeah, demented grunts and growling noises, like something that is not of this earth. And so Cora comes out of hiding from the closet and she goes and she goes to walk into the kitchen and Andy's back is to her. And she she's like, Andy, I am your mother, look at me you know, you know, telling him to turn around and look at her and you know, and talk to her and stuff. 
And Andy turns around and he's all clearly all pissed off, which you can see it in his face. And um he mentions about a lady that came up to yeah, him. Yeah. Starts talking about this random lady that comes up to him, never seen him before in his life, and knows his name, knows who his father is, and everything else. And he um he then um <clears throat> he then goes to his mother, um she was talking about how, like, goes back to how he's, like, he's, like, I, he, he said, um, something like, though, the lady said that I was his only living son, and he's, like, how can that be, mom? You told me that he was remarried, had kids with someone else off somewheres, and, you know, and she, Cor was, like, he, he has, and, you know, he, he does, and everything else, and then, and he's, like, very disbelieving of her. And he's like, I want you to, I want you to kneel. I want you to bow to me. And he's, like, talking about, like, all I can dream about is, like, this kingdom of, like, misery and pain and darkness and all this other stuff. And his mom's like, don't say things like that. Don't talk like that. And, and then he's like... He's like, now, I want you to crawl to me. So, I'm going to pause right here for a second. Now, one of the things that I thought when, um, when he had her get down on her knees and crawl to him was I saw it as a way that he was testing her to see what she would be willing to do for him. Like, to see how far her devotion and her love for her son extends. That's what I got from it. I don't know what you guys got from it. What did you guys gather from that? I got, I got, ooh, this kid needs ass whooping from a good old southern switch butt whooping. Go out there and pick your switch and get a spanking because... I told my mama daddy, get your knees and crawl to me. I wouldn't have a house. They'd put me <laughs> in the yard. So, I mean, but I, I, I do agree with you, Tessa. I do think, like, I think he was testing her to actually see how, how, you know, devoted she was. And also, I think in a way he was testing, testing her faith because, you know, being, like, I would say being Catholic, but, you know, she, you know, cause she had a, she always wore a cross on her neck. She had a little cross necklace. So I also think it kind of like tested her faith to see if she would actually cave into what he wanted instead of her standing up for what she believed in. So, I mean, it could go either way just to see, you know, if her faith, if she held true to her faith or what was her son more important mm -hmm. to her than that. Do you think that if, she would have denied denied him and not kneeled nor crawled to him do you think that that would have pushed him even further towards going to his father's side i she, think so yeah that's what i thought too what did you think baby um i thought she did it out of fear besides the fact of like love and stuff but i think she did it also because she was just in fear because she didn't know what to do he did say that he had wanted to kill her, so I mean, 
Yeah, he did talk about wanting to kill her. He's like, I've had thoughts about murdering you. Yeah, I mean, it. it's quite clear that she could have done it for a lot of things. I just kind of looked at it as fear. Yeah, I could see that, too, that she was afraid of him. Because when she got, when she had crawled over to him, got over to him, she saw his feet up close. And they were all hairy and black, long, sharp toenails and everything else. Not human-looking feet. And definitely not Hobbit's feet, either. Even though they kind of resemble him a little bit, but no. Um, Too hairy. Hmm? Too hairy. Yeah. Well, the, the really black, sharp toenails are not hobbitsy feet. Um, but anyways. Too hairy. Hobbits have hairy feet. Hobbits do have hairy feet, Bob. You gotta keep ruining what I'm trying to accomplish here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyways, she, he go after she crawls over to him and sees his feet like that and everything, and she's like, oh, honey. And he goes, I'm gonna, I want to go live with dad now. In which case, she, she does what? How does she respond to that? She gets pissed. Mm-hmm. Like, she tells him, no, I raised you, you're my son, he's not going to take you. He's never been here for, what has he done for you all your life? I'm the one that's been here for you and done everything. I've you done know, all the heavy lifting. Yeah, I've done all the heavy lifting, I've done this and that. You aren't going anywhere. And then she then hugs him. And when she hugs him, you see this bat-like shadow go across the screen real quick. And then the lights go out. Dun, and the dun, lights dun. go out. Dun, dun, dun. And in which case, when this happens, um, Cora, like Crystal said, Cora has got her arms around Andy, holding on to him for dear life. And she's like, she's like, just close your eyes. Don't even look at him. You know, listen to the story. And so she tells the story. You know, she's like, she's like, for the first three months that I was carrying you, I was so very ill. I was so unwell. All I could eat was liver and saltines. I couldn't keep anything else down. You know, and, um, you know, I was, I was such a mess and I was in so much pain and, and in that, in that time, I swear that you could hear me cry within my, while you were within my belly. And, and, and she was like, because you and I are bonded. And she was like, she was like, where, she was like, where was your father for all of the, the loneliness and the growing up and, you know, the, the tears and everything else and. I've done all the heavy lifting, and now he wants to come and claim you for his own. Well, I'm not done lifting. I'm not done working. You're my son, you know. You've always been my son. And he's like, he's like, it's too late, Mom. He's too big. And she goes, she goes, no, it's not. She goes, he doesn't get to make that choice for you. You do. You make that choice. You make <coughs> it. 
and in that moment you see you see Andy choose his mother he 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 grabs onto his mother wraps his arms around her just as tightly as she is him and says I love you mom and in which case these two hold on to each other for dear life so tightly that they crush each other's rib cages and they kill each other that's and then some, the blood starts dropping down. That's some that's some powerful freaking love right there. You you're gonna like you practically like squeeze the life out of each other. And then this is where I'm gonna pause, and that damn cake got wasted. Dude, right? That whole fucking cake. Dude, I would have ate my cake. Yeah. Like what the I don't, hell? I don't say Who no wasted cake, a cake? Yeah. I have a big voluptuous one. I don't turn no cake now. Damn. Some bad parenthood right there. Letting the kid not eat. Jeez, um. Well, stuck it down his throat. You eat this cake. I made it for you. If you don't eat it, I will. And it will be good. No matter how horrible it is, you will like it. Yeah. Now I want to make, like, brownies or something. God damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Now... Cheesecake. So... so Don't that, do that to me, Paul. Don't do that to me. So, oh, God. I fucking love cheesecake. I do, too. Oh, I love it so much. Me, too. Anyways, let's stop talking. Okay, let's stop talking about desserts. <laughs> I'm about to be up in that kitchen baking at, like, nine at nine something so at night. I keep saying cheesecake. You're going to go and bake it. Ooh. I, I'm going to... You keep... Cheesecake? Don't have stuff for cheesecake. I have stuff for like mint chocolate chip brownies. Oh, oh, gross! You can have them. Yep, caca. <laughs> mint, mint and chocolate do not mix. Boy. <laughs> so, so that tale, so that tale ends, and um, obviously, it just goes to show that you know nothing. Nothing can be motherly love or whatever when it comes to, like, your satanic father trying to come and claim you. Which we learn that Andy, Andy was the spawn of Satan. Yep. At the end of this tale. Um, so, let's talk about the weird dollhouse thing. Walking dollhouse. I thought we were gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk so about it. Weird. We're gonna talk about it for a minute because of the simple fact that it is so fucking weird. And Paul and I were both just kind of watching it throughout the the fucking film. We're just kind of like, what the fuck is the deal with this fucking dollhouse that's just walking around, feeding itself like moths or whatever? What's with the rotting apple? What's with the fucking taking the hummingbird and putting it inside of this fucking doll to, like, make it come to life? And it's just so weird. Yeah, I, I And they use the know. dead hummingbird to bring this girl to back to life. To bring the girl life. Yeah, um, and I was just kind of like... I didn't understand. I didn't understand any of that. All I, was I just gotta say like, is way too much makeup on the living girl, though. Way yeah. I really think they're like, you know, we, we're going to have a few minutes that we're going to need a filler. Fuck it, let's make a really freaky dollhouse that does weird shit. That'd be perfect. 
It only makes sense. But let's no. just do it. No. I mean, unless it's like trying to somehow be a symbolic message of life, life and death, because little Hummingbird died and they stuck it into the dead girl's chest cavity and she comes back to life. So, I mean, it could be a symbolic message of life and death, maybe? I have no idea. It was really fucking weird. Yeah, it was. It was very fucking weird. It was way too weird. But before uh, we get tread off too much, but um, I w I wanted to say too that did you guys recognize during each of the four tales they happened to throw in like the name of the title somewhere? Oh yeah, within each of the each of the films, the title was mentioned. Yep. Like, for example... The box. The box. They actually talked about the box. The box. And then her only living son, Andy, goes... This lady even said that I was his only living, living son. son. And then they tell old girl, don't fall. And yep, don't fall. Don't fall. Yep. And then, and then the birthday, birthday party. party. Yeah, well, you have to get uh, ready for the birthday party. Yeah, it's pretty much self-explanatory. The birthday party will have a birthday party. Yeah, you need to go get ready for the birthday party. And then, that here, that here. It kind of like sums <laughs> it up, too. So, oh. I mean, yeah. I just thought that was kind of interesting, because not that many mo movies, even in general now, don't really do that. Play on the real title. Yeah. And put it into the movie. So I do gotta give him kudos for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely different and unique, that's for sure. I did appreciate that all the four stories were in the perspective of majority of the women. Everyone, and that's what it was about. It was supposed to be the perspective of women instead of just like the guys. It was like these are in the perspective of the women characters in the movie. And it pretty and it was like everything that and that happened it happened to a female. So I I, I appreciate that. That was a nice little twist. Well, but, don't forget too that the directors for each tale were also women. Yeah, well. they were. Yeah. Each directors of these films were all women. Yeah. So that just goes to show women can make fucked up movies as well. Yeah. And I'm proud of that. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. I was entertained. I mean, alright, I have a question. What was your least favorite one out of the four? Which one did you not care for the most? And what was your favorite? Oh. Maybe mm. the don't fall one, but then again, I don't know. The birthday party was my least favorite. Yeah, I could probably go agree with yeah, that. Yeah, my the the birthday party is my I, least. I just felt like she was way too dumb. To yeah, I I dumb. was just pretty much fucking just like why 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 hide him? Why don't you just call the paramedics and the cops and say, oh, your husband overdosed? It's like she was afraid. Like she's like uh, the only thing that I can think of a why. She did that is because she didn't want Lucy's birthday party ruined. Exactly. Is all I can fucking think of is why she hid him. Even though well, that I think it... it was that, and I think she had this this fear of them all them blaming it on her. Yeah, that too. 
So yeah, her fear true. grew to 10 times worse. She was like, oh shit, they're going to find him and they're going to blame it on me. Because remember, she told Kara that he wasn't home yet. And then mm-hmm. she walked in on him dead. Yep. So I think that really amplified her fear of them trying to blame it on her kid on her husband, plus the birthday party. So yeah. it is pretty much a whole story about paranoia, pretty much. <coughs> That's what it was. Oh, yeah. She, she was just really fucking paranoid. Yep, and that's why the kid had to have therapy. And then, yeah. and then my favorite, um, or the one I like the most, um, would have to be probably. I'm gonna go with the box. The box. The box is my favorite. Yeah, the box is my favorite. Even though I did like certain elements about her only living son. But the box is definitely would be my favorite. Oh yeah, it definitely played with my mind way too much. Yeah, it made you. Th- it made you fucking is think. The box. Yeah, it really made you think. That's all I was. I, the box is my favorite, and the birthday party is my least favorite. Cause I did enjoy the don't fall one. I mean, it isn't my all-time favorite, but it did have its moments and. Her only living son. I really like that one too. But the box, the box just it it made you use your imagination. Yeah, and that's what I awesome. really liked. I still wouldn't was not that box. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, okay, <laughs> so is there anything else that we forgot to mention for this? Trying to think. Cause that, cause that was a good question about which one our recent favorite one was. Um, the music, I'll say this, the music that they used for the, like, walk-in dollhouse, th- that just fit perfectly, I think, because it was just like, what the hell am I watching, even though this is cool background mute noise, but, like, what the hell? And the whole creepy dollhouse vibe to it kind of music, so they did fit it. I mean, except for the whole fucking doll thing itself, the music was really good. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'd have to work more on that up to figure out, to determine it more, especially with the dollhouse dragging that one thing behind it. The other doll? <laughs> yeah. dragging the little doll because it put the bird in the doll first. That was fucking weird. And the doll came to life, and then it took the bird out. And then went and puts the bird in the little girl, which didn't make no sense to me. I don't know if it was like testing to see if it was actually going to work or I don't know. Okay, I'm going to change my thing. My least favorite thing was the doctor's thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I would go with that too, but I don't know if I would. Um, I, I don't really know, I guess. <laughs> I mean, if, if I mean, if at a movie, I'll, I'll stay with my, my thing. But if I could say the don't know, thing, let's say my least favorite thing in part the whole thing. I just didn't like it. Yeah, cool the, concept, but just it didn't, I don't know. I yeah, like the it. dollhouse was weird. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess we'll have to. Um, I don't know. Maybe hope to see. If maybe if that dollhouse can get its own like segment for a movie because could you i mean don't get me wrong that stop motion stuff that was really good and 
I just I just think the dollhouse deserves its own little story. So like a short film or something. Yeah, to make it better help understand like like is this dollhouse just walking around trying to find life even though like because we all saw the weird ass little baby doll when she first like put the crow or bird inside it and then you see it like twist its head to the other head and yeah like it's just it's weird <laughs> I don't really know what else to say to it babe it's not really much else you can say the fucking dollhouse is just really weird like I just I had my head tilted to the side anytime that thing like showed up and did something. I'm just kind of like, I don't get it. And this is really fucking weird. <laughs> well, I think that, I think the baby doll head from Toy Story 1 is going through a rough patch in life. And, you know, after Toy Story 1, with all the broken toys, it didn't really get me the chance to be in any more films. So they're like, hey, we're looking for a disembodied baby doll head on Claws. You want to take it? Yes. Yeah. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? The Sid toys where they're all, like, fucked up. You got the baby doll missing the eye and it had the claw body it walked on. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought of when I first saw it, was, oh, shit, it's the baby doll from, from Sid's room in Twist Story. It kind of, I think it would have been more cooler if the um, walking dollhouse or the dollhouse or something was, like, somehow connected the stories that you get what I'm trying to say like maybe we see like the dollhouse or one of the stories or something and then maybe we could see like the crow or something I don't know but... it would have been interesting if they actually did more with it yep instead of it just being a filler between yeah. films yeah. yeah instead of it just being a filler like if they actually turned it into a like a full tale like the rest of them or like you, you know like yeah, the little short story. Yeah, like a little got. short story. Yeah. I think it would have definitely would have helped a lot. But, alright, guys. Um, I think that's about wrapped it up. Um, what, did you, what would you guys rate this movie? What would you give it for a rating? And would you recommend it to your friends? Oh, I would definitely recommend it. I would probably... I definitely recommend it. I would probably say 3 out of 5. Yeah. If we're going on a three out of a five scale, I give it three out of five. Three out of five. Yeah, three out of five sounds right if we're going on a five scale. Yeah, I mean, first, but it being all female directors, with like Crystal said, like they can make some. See, women can make scary shit too. Um, which is true, and um, like what. Also, Crystal said is the fact that they had four protagonists based on women is definitely interesting. Because mm -hmm. we, we don't really see it that much anymore, but then again, we do, maybe? I don't know. I guess it depends on who the hell is making the film and who what the story is, I guess. I really would want to see another one, like how they did the ABC Horrors and ABC Horrors 2. Oh, 
Oh my god. I'd love, I'd love to see him make another one. <laughs> Maybe one day ABC of Death will be an episode, but uh, until then, oh god. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, if they want to do another XX, you know, female horror producers, they want to do another one. No, no, like, no, to... but I'm just saying, though, now that you just brought that up, though, I'm just thinking, like, if we ever did an episode on that. That's a lot of horror movies we're going to have to rewatch. Uh huh. No, that's why I think I would may, probably just watch it and just write down the ones I hated and what ones I actually enjoyed. I, I think. ABCs of Death. ABCs of Death. Yeah. Yeah, I watched. Um, I actually watched those, like a couple weeks ago. The fucking first one, though. I remembered why I thought it was so f- fucked up. The first ABCs of Death. There's like one story in there where I'm just like, what the fuck? Is that the effort for fart? Yeah, the F, the F is for the F, the F is for fart was one of them, and then the other one was the freaking Japanese Nazi chick with the big dick with the sword that came the out of the end of it. Oh my god! I yeah, that. that one I was just that one I was just kind of like, what the fuck? I'm oh, like, yeah. okay then. I was like, okay then. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Very weird and creepy at the same time. I like well, that. You've got, you've got the other one. It's like a, the, the guys that are strapped down to the chairs, and like they have to like finish themselves, and if they don't, they get killed. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the masturbation one. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, this is really fucked up. I yeah. like my dildo sword better than this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like the ABCs of Death Two more. I think. I think I like the tales more in that one. Like, one of the ones that sticks out to me for that one is the last one, which is Z for Zygote. Oh, he... I, I, remind me which one that is. That's that the one where she has, where she eats, like, this, like, birch root or whatever to keep the child, the baby inside of her from giving birth. Oh, my and God. She yeah. does it, and, and she does it, and she does this for, like, ten years or something like that. And she's got like a full-grown ten-year-old child inside of her still. Yeah, that is still weird as hell. That one sticks out to me like the most. That kind of. Oh, no. I like D for duck. I think oh, it was D yeah, for duck. Oh yeah, that that one was a good one too. Or um, no, quiet. Q for quiet or something like that. Yeah, Q for quack. That duck one was funny. They're just kind of like. Just shoot the just shoot the duck. <laughs> the poor duck she's like are you gonna shoot me or not do it bro are you scared let's go you got this I got this I ain't scared of you but yeah I did like but there was also one ta- there, I can't remember what letter it was but there was like I'll tell you a little bit about the tale it's about the one where the two the, the guy uh, creates like a parallel dimension or whatever and meets his parallel self through like this garage door shutter looking machine. And Are you talking about the one he crawls through like the bushes in his backyard? Um Like he keeps he kills himself and it's like this keeps looks like a paradox that keeps going. No, no, no. I'm talking about the one where the guy meets his parallel self through like this time machine thingy that he has. Where it creates a parallel universe and the two of them switch places for like 
five minutes and go into each other's realities and you discover one of them has like like they're like these like penis demon monsters or whatever yeah oh my god i don't i don't remember this one <laughs> i don't remember it either it's, it's really weird because like the woman like the wife or whatever that's supposed to be in this parallel dimension her her vagina has teeth I sound like vagina in China. It it like you have to rewatch the ABCs of death too to understand what I'm talking about. I think I'm gonna have to rewatch it. So I, don't, I I'm think pretty, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure. I remember things with penises. I just don't remember that one. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's the ABCs of death. Maybe it's BH in one of the VHSs, but I'm not sure. Oh my God, VHSs. Those are interesting. I know another film that I would like to rewatch too, if you guys haven't seen it, and it's called Would You Rather. Yeah, that's a good one. I wouldn't mind rewatching that and doing an episode on that. I we have should, to watch it. I don't know if I've ever seen Would You Rather. We it's on Netflix. We also should um watch The Rex and do something on that. And then we should also do one on I think it's called Nine Lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got a lot of we got a lot of brainstorming ideas going on here for future episodes, people. I think we should do one on the craft. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that could I'm... be like another weighty podcast again. How... Dude, I'm totally down for the craft. Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna fit the theme of season three when that comes out. I mean, premieres July thirteenth. So, you guys. I know you're going to be listening to this by, like, tonight, after we record this, I'll have it up, and then season for now will be up three days later, and then, next thing you know, four days later, you got season three. Hooray! And then, that's when all the Halloween stuff is coming out. Like, should we just make the announcement here, babe, what you and me were talking about real quick? Sure, baby, we can do that. Which, the announcement is, season three is probably going to be the longest season we're going to do for as of right now. Like, we definitely want to do more because Halloween is, like, our favorite time of the year. So, that means a lot of shit we can talk about. And I mean a lot. Whether it be... Real life stories of the paranormal, to our favorite films, books, whatever. Not only that, but uh, Tessa and I will be heading to Salem, Massachusetts for a day in October, which we are trying to figure out how we could possibly maybe do some episodes there. Yeah, maybe do some kind of an episode, explore, like... Maybe some of the haunted locations or whatever. Yeah. Historical viewpoints and talk about them and stuff. So, yeah. Stay yeah. tuned on that. Stay tuned on that because that will be fun as hell. And, we're, and we're, we're very much looking forward to this trip because this is actually going to be our first, like, trip of actually going out of state, getting away together. So, and it's to a place that we absolutely both love, so. 
And I haven't been there since 6th grade, so probably like 2000. So that's like 17 years ago. <laughs> I haven't been there since I was 2 years old, so it is long overdue. <laughs> Do you even remember it being 2 years old? Yeah, my mom and dad have pictures of me from it. And my mom actually took pictures of, of me with my mom and my dad in front of the um, Salem Witch Museum. And since we're um, premiering some stuff, Crystal, do you want to say what you're going to be hosting pretty soon in the future? Well, we all know about the boogeyman. But there are other boogeyman that are actually real-life boogeyman. Not the ones you see on the big screen or the, the tales you hear through books. I am right now currently almost finished, but I'm, I told Paul is trimming it down. I will be doing a podcast on my top five favorite serial killers of all time. AJ so Holmes better be one of them. <coughs> cough, cough. Of course, Holmes is going to be one. Well, he may be that top one. You never know. Well, then, damn. Because then I guess I won't share my AJ Holmes stuff that I could probably share. <laughs> I mean, you can. <laughs> but yes, ladies and gentlemen. So, let me just rephrase that again. July 13th, Season 3 premieres. So, make sure you're all caught up with Season 2. And to our listeners out there, our ever-faithful listeners, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for supporting us and listening and uh we are grateful to have you yeah i hope we kind of get you entertained and then there's like some episodes yeah we try to be entertaining (laughs) yeah i mean it's sometimes hard especially on the filming we're reviewing but then again go back or the game or go back and listen to like outlast where we were what are we all drinking to make it through that podcast so yeah that was a fun one, even though it was, like, us really Bro, struggling. Yeah. Hey, come on, guys. The Void one wasn't that bad, damn it. Come on. Come on. I would have given it more prop if it allowed subtitles. But even, even, but even on DVD, really, they didn't have subtitles even on DVD format. I was like, what is wrong with this picture? That's like these other two movies I have that don't have subtitles. They're called uh, All Hallows Eve. Look those up. There's All Hallows Eve and then there's All Hallows Eve 2. No subtitles. Those are weird ass titles as well. Because I think in like the second one there's like a like a uh, fly trap plant that like devours a human or, or or it's a pumpkin or something that devours a human it's weird feed me see more feed me yeah, yeah. shop of horrors reference much yes <laughs> <laughs> somebody feed me oh god that's another move we gotta do oh my god Yeah, Yeah, we forgot how really strange the end of that movie was. Yeah. Fucking bizarre. So bizarre. But it's so good. 
It's so good. It's like my last foot. Oh, we always turned it out of I really do think we need to do a horror musical podcast with Rocky of Horror, Little Shop of Horrors, Ripple. I think those would be fun to have like one big podcast. Oh, those would be fun. But maybe season three will have those. Dun, dun, dun. Will they or will we'll not? Continued. You better listen and find out. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, and like I said, it's gonna be the longest one, so there's gonna be. A- yeah, so we'll have enough treats and tricks up our sleeves. I hope. <laughs> all Tessa may have the treats, but I'm all about the treats. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, until next time, I was your co-host for this episode, Paul Dolska. And I was your host, Tessa Baker. And I am your co-assistant co-host, Priscilla Bello. And like always, ladies and gentlemen, Stay, stay scary! scary.